I've already hit record. You did. All right. So. Autumn, this is where you start the show. Welcome to Absolute Destiny, a podcast. Chesney is busy jamming out here to one of the songs from from in this episode. Um, I'm Autumn. I'm Chesney. And this is a show where we watch every episode of the 1997 anime Revolutionary Girl Utena from start to finish and give our uh, our review of it. The trick here is that I am a super fan. I've been a fan of this show for almost two decades now. Uh, this is Chesney's first time watching the show. So if you are watching along with us, um, she is here to guide you through your first watch. If you are an old fan, you can capture some of that, you know, first timer energy by listening to Chesney's reviews and her amazing uh, rendition of one of the songs from the show. <laughs> <laughs> My amazing jazz scatting there. Yep. <laughs> so um, in all of that, I did not write down the episode's title. Did you? <laughs> Well, I surely did not. I never think about the titles, to be honest. I should. It's part of the show. All right, here we go. I, I just I just queued it back up again so I could see. Me too. Uh, this episode is Perhaps for Friendship's Sake. It is episode 12, following on the cliffhanger of last episode. It opens the episode with like a last time on... Uh, where it goes over the fact that Utena loses a duel. Yeah. It's, she it's loses real to bad. Toga. Yeah, it's real bad. Like the it's not even a last time on Revolutionary Girl Utena. It's like it picks off picks up immediately where we left off. The and sword it's just, dissolving in her hand. Yeah. yeah. And like Toga absolutely dragging her through the dirt. Like, in the end, you weren't a prince. You were just a girl. Your hopes didn't become a reality. This is a good chance for you to try to become a normal girl now. Like, uh, excuse me? <laughs> oh, my God, sir. The You don't deserve the sir, but the cockiness that you're just, like, dragging her through the mud right now. Eat this entire professionally catered table of dicks. <laughs> <laughs> thought you were gonna say eat this entire professionally catered ass (laughs) i mean okay so (laughs) so like leading up into last episode you were still like talking about how much utano was gonna kick toga's ass Mm -hmm. and you've had to sit with this for over a week because we had a delay in our recording of this episode how are you Mm -hmm. doing right now (laughs) Well, to be honest, it was hard to watch, but at the same time, I appreciate it from a character growth standpoint. Like if if it if this had been where like the show ended, like and she loses, see ya. I'd been like, "Well, why did I even bother with this?" <laughs> like what an unsatisfying conclusion. But, you know, thankfully, you know, you have faith in the process, especially because this is 
you know, a 20 year old show that still has such a strong, thriving fan base, it's for a reason and it's because it delivers. So you have faith that it delivers and it does in the end. So that's why I was just in this place of, well, I'm curious to see where this will take us in Utena's journey. Speaking of where it takes us, uh, we open proper on Utena sulking in her room and Wakaba coming by to check on her like a good best friend. And, oh, like, no. This heartbreaking moment. Oh, no. <laughs> we what? get before this, we get an actual classroom. <laughs> We've talked so many times about how we never see these people in class. And to be fair, Utena is not actually in class. But we have a teacher taking role in attendance in a classroom. <laughs> it's a school. Yeah. <laughs> Just so, have to point that out. <laughs> yeah. So Wakaba's coming by to check on Utena. And uh, there is this heartbreaking moment of looking at the door and like oh. the label on the door where where Anthe had scribbled in her name in Sharpie on the wall, it has now been covered over. Yeah, and I was like, oh my God, did Utena do this? And then now, like, I'm not sure if it was her or Anthe. I don't know who it was. But when you first see it, you're like, oh, she had to do it herself and everything. Like, insult to injury and all the heartache and ugh. I'm just picturing Choo Choo with a roll of, uh, with a roll of tape as big as him. Yeah. Oh, God. Wakaba goes in and checks on, on Utena and points out, like, she skipped class and wants to know, like, why. And so she goes over and she does this whole big bit of checking on, like, her temperature, her tonsils, like, all that stuff. Like, nothing, no fever, no swelling. I diagnose this as a common goof-off. <laughs> yeah. It was cute. And, like... On one level, that is adorable. On the other, Wakaba, read the room. <laughs> <laughs> well, she is. She's trying to cheer her up and knock her out of it. Yeah. But, I mean, that, that's fair. As somebody who has been known to sulk, this is like the worst <laughs> tactic to ever use on me. <laughs> I, I will throw you out. <laughs> Water signs, look away from this. <laughs> look away from this scene. <laughs> We get this cutaway to like Utena remembering the moment that Anthe was leaving. And it's not just as heartbreaking as they portray it. Like in this moment, Anthe is being framed by the white roses of the prince. Like, yeah, all of it is departing with Anthe. It's yeah. not just Anthe. It's not just Choo Choo. It's also the princeliness. It is the friendship, all of it, wrapped mm -hmm. up in one heartbreaking moment. I keep using that word, but it is. Yeah, and seeing Choo Choo with his little pack yeah. tied up and Anthea with her suitcases, it's so sad. Because you don't think about this aftermath moment. So I'm glad that the show highlights this because every time... You know, we don't think about this when Utena wins uh, Anthe as the Rose Bride away from Sionji the first time. You don't think about this whole like, oh, she has to go pack her stuff and move it every right. time. But this is this is the part of this is part of being the Rose Bride, too, is 
you don't really have a home. Your home is wherever your, you know, duelist winner is. And it's only temporary. And Utena sums up all of those feelings, that entire moment with, it's nothing. Yeah, she's just shutting down to cope with the entire loss of what's happened. The loss of connection to her prince. The loss of her own princeliness and her own sense of self. As well as losing Anthe. For the listeners who like might not catch something as subtle as this, Wakaba refers to Utena as just Utena. No San, no Sama, no honorifics at all. Which also shows like the place that they have in each other's lives as best friends mm-hmm. where they refer to each other with a level of familiarity reserved mostly for family. Here's the other aspect of this. Wakaba offers to fix Utena's uniform. She's like, oh my God, what happened? It's ripped. I'll fix it for you. And Utena's like, no, it's okay. I have another uniform. Which is the most depressing foreshadowing for what's about yeah. to happen. Yeah. So we cut to a moment where Utena is walking into school and it's this slowed down, chill version of her theme. And when we see her, uh, the borders on the screen are this time her pink roses. So it's just her colors, not the prince white. And uh, she's wearing a, a girl's uniform for the first time, which is really jarring to see. And equally jarring is the reaction of everyone around her, where all the girls in the school admire her so much that they are still blushing and fawning over her with this look. They are not picking up on the fact that her face is sunken. Like she is depressed AF walking into that school. It shows a total disconnect. It's like the, <laughs> it's like any um, either local celebrity or even just like a popular kid in high school. It's the disconnect between <laughs> how you perceive them and the reality of what's actually going on. Exactly. And so, um, so she's talking to Wakaba about it and they're talking about how the girls seem to like it. And Wakaba makes the comment of you like it. You seem to like it too. To which she responds, yeah, it's normal, which Mm -hmm. huge red flags here. (laughs) Yeah. But it's exactly what Toga told her to do was go be a normal girl. And she's assuming this role now. And she says, from tomorrow on, I'll just wear this. Which, like, that's the red flag. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Most people, when they break up with somebody, they get a new haircut. Not, like, completely change their entire gender presentation. Well, I mean, I'm sure that that happens every once in a while. (laughs) That's the other thing about what this is, right? Like, this is not just about sexuality. This is about gender mm-hmm. and the the place that Utena finds herself in is uh, like she had staked out this position of much more androgyny and got a very firm rebuke on that in terms of like losing the duel and Toga making it explicit what he expects of Utena in terms of her behavior because like Utena is also still a little mixed up about whether or not Toga's her prince. And what that yeah. means. Uh, 
And so, you know, she's putting on the act. Yeah, which I didn't even... That's an aspect of this that I had forgotten in between the two episodes, is that's still very much a factor at play in Utena's mind of, this could be my prince. I think this is my prince. And so then, like, she loses to him, and suddenly her identity just goes with it. And, like, this is just the most succinct microcosm of abusive relationships I have ever seen is like one person has unfair expectations for the other. Um, I don't want to like pretend that the violence in this moment is like completely analogous to an abusive relationship. Like she stepped into a dueling arena to fight him in a sword fight. Like this isn't, (laughs) like it's not the same thing um but at the same time like she loses to him and he just strips away her identity in this moment while she's vulnerable and then just to like drive the point home anthe comes by and this is a moment where like anthe seems different from the beginning of the show she actually greets utana warmly and openly Rather than just being like passively silent. So already her friendship with Utana has shifted things. But she refers to her as Tenjo-san. Mm-hmm. You know, like just a, a familiar classmate as opposed to mm-hmm. someone that was recently engaged to her. Someone that she's friends with. Like it, It is a very sharp counterpoint to the way that Wakaba refers to her just as Utana. We are on the far other end of that level of respect and honestly distance rather mm-hmm. than familiarity. Yeah. And I didn't know when Anthe first walked up, if she was saying, does she say good morning to Utena? Like, does she address Utena the first time or is it just a good morning? And it's just, I thought she was saying it to Wakaba, honestly, because Wakaba is the one that responds because Utena's not facing her and she just freezes. Well, I think she was saying hello to both of them. It's just that, you know, Utena is frozen in that moment because she doesn't know how to react. Because this is the first yeah, time seeing for her sure. since she left. Presumably. Yeah. Yeah, which was just, what, less than 24 hours ago? <laughs> With the day of school that she missed, I think that would put it at, like, the following day. But yeah, like, still within a couple mm, of days. Oh, yeah. Yeah. By the way, we haven't addressed this, but, like, y'all, this absolutely... <laughs> mimics a a breakup like this is not how do i say this this doesn't come off as like anything else other than a breakup because it's somebody moved their shit out <laughs> and went somewhere else and then the next day the person moped about depressed right yeah like this is absolutely big breakup energy here yeah and then seeing them like a day later and you have that freeze response, like, yeah, absolutely a breakup. Which, again, like implies something about the relationship that they had. Like this was more than friendship, even though it wasn't acknowledged or acted upon in the moment. This is one of our big in show clues of like the kind of relationship that these two have. It's one thing to talk about the title sequence and the ending sequence and like the symbolism 
at play there but like within the show itself this is one of our clearer moments of like what level of emotional connection these two have yeah and this interaction is so key to that as well like as to seeing it as the breakup because it's that awkward you have the freeze and then you have the awkward hello and like the like to me it's the equivalent of like not calling your ex their pet name anymore right. that you had for them um or just calling them something different yeah and we do get the red border around anthe this time with her good morning and you know anthe calls her tenjo-san and utena still calls her himamiya i can't remember if she puts an honorific on it at the end or not but the way that the encounter ends with Anthony just walk, it just feels very formal. Like it's structured in a way so that there's no like, it just feels structured to me so that there's no like overlay or, or anything of what was once before. Mm -hmm. It feels very intentional to be structured that way. Yeah, for sure. Because Again, it's these subtle cues that show us just how distant these two are. Or have to be right now. And we get this moment with Wakaba where Utena finally like opens up a little bit and says like she has to be normal. And Wakaba puts the pieces together and is like, ha, I knew it. It was a fight. You two did have a fight. <laughs> Which again, <laughs> kind of puts us into breakup territory like, you can have a fight with your friends, but even fighting with your best friend usually doesn't mess you up like this does. Mm -mm. At least not like, I, I feel like not at this age. If I was fighting with my best friend today at my current age, yeah, that's like 20 years of history with this person that is suddenly in jeopardy. Yeah, it would affect me a little bit more. But like, this is breakup energy still. Yeah, and if you put it in the context of like breaking up with your best friend while you're in high school, yeah, it does look a little bit different. It's a little bit more catty maybe, or you just straight up avoid each other as opposed to this like, we're meeting in public and now we are structured and formal to each <laughs> other. How do you do, fellow person? You know, like, yeah, definitely different energy. Um, I had one question about the end of this encounter. A lot of this episode spends time randomly focusing on Choo Choo. And I don't know if there's anything behind this at all. I just noticed that we cut to Choo Choo a lot eating crackers. And he's always got this bag of crackers and he's always stuffing them in his mouth in this episode. Not in general, but just in this episode. Now, Choo Choo always eats, right? He's an eater. <laughs> but... <laughs> But there's something going on. I didn't know if his eyes were normally like that or not, but they're just like uh, frantically moving scribbles as opposed to like a static yeah, no, image. Yeah, no, he's got the scribble eyes going on in this episode. Which is that normal? Did I just never notice that? No, no, that's not how his eyes are normally drawn. Okay. So it's just trying to indicate some sort of like inner... Turmoil. Yeah, thank you. Turmoil. I was looking for a word like that. Yeah, and I, I think that's exactly what it is. I, I think that because Anthe can't express her emotions about the situation, it's showing on Choo Choo. I see. And that's where the emotional eating is coming into play. Yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. I think like in a moment like this, like he's got kind of that like, I don't know, like 
which is familiar quality to him at the moment mm-hmm. where like she can't express her emotions so her little friend here is yeah because again we've talked on this show about how revolutionary girl utena does not waste animation frames if they're doing something it's for a reason so i was like the amount of times that they've cut to choo-choo just eating a cracker in this episode does not make sense to me we had to talk about it in this way for it to finally click that oh oh yeah it's emotional eating i'm sure (laughs) yeah so we move we fast forward into the student council meeting which my god there has never been a part of an episode that i've looked forward to the least more than this (laughs) (laughs) um and it's i you know what i'm gonna go out on a limb here and say that i think the other two remaining student council members were feeling the exact same way (laughs) as me they did not want to deal with Toga's gloating. They did not want to deal with him, period. The, you know, student council meeting starts and he is gloating. And he starts off and he says, he's basically like, I've got the Rose Bride. Anybody here got a problem with that? And everybody just keeps their head <laughs> down. Everybody just keeps their head down. It's like, no, sure don't. Like, they are not willing to challenge him on that at all. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of surprising. But I guess they maybe they just don't want to deal with him. I would think now would be the perfect time to knock him down a peg. He's cocky. Right. But then, like, Jury calls him out on it and is like, yeah, you prefer plots to, like, straight up fighting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is not how she is from what we've seen so far. Right. Although, like, at the same time, trying to win the dueling game in order to miraculously make the person you like realize that you like them is kind of convoluted enough to qualify as a plot. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Fair. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe, maybe settle down jury, like (laughs) glass houses. (laughs) Um, But again, we have this moment that, is different from the beginning of the show where Anthe speaks up on her own behalf and says, I can wait outside uh, if you want me to, which anyone who's ever been dragged along with someone else to something knows that this is code for I'm bored as fuck. Let me out of here so I can do something else. Mm -hmm. And Toga's response is, no, 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 I want you here. I do think it's interesting, though, that this this here is showing a tiny bit of progress that Anthe has made, in my opinion, for her to have spoken up about it at all. Exactly. Yes. And for her to say it in this manner, because you're right, it is masquerading the I'm bored. I don't want to be here. <laughs> and it's also humiliating, right? Like, yeah. We It kind of gets lost in all of this. Because, like, she's so compliant with everything that goes on. Like, she does stay when when he says to. But, like, she's literally being paraded around as the prize. Exactly. And as much as she may have internalized that being her role, with Utena, Utena never paraded her around. No. It was just them hanging and out. so... Yeah, and so, like, this is a moment where 
now Anthe has to be on stage as a prize that has been won. She is being displayed in this moment. Yeah. Um, also, as a side note, in the student council meeting, we get a few more clicks of the stopwatch from Mickey. Still don't know what that's about. Do you have any, you have a tinfoil hat theory yet? No, I, it's, the only one that I have is the one that I started out with. Uh, of, I don't even know if he's, I don't know that if he's doing it consciously or if he's doing it knowing what it, the end game of it is or if it's just something that he's been told to do to see if like the time or timing of things matches up. It, it might have been something he got from the end of the world to see if like things match or if he's doing something on his own to see if stuff matches with what the end of the world has said. Not sure. Okay. I, I think this is one where there will be more actual fodder for you to work with on a theory in the next plot arc. Okay. As we move into the Black Rose saga. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, like I always want to hear your tinfoil hat theories on some of the crazier stuff that goes on in this show. Well, you will absolutely hear me relish a tinfoil hat theory in just a moment. <laughs> because, oh boy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I knew as soon as the scene popped up, I'm like, oh, we're going to be hearing about this one. <laughs> you will never hear the end of it for the rest of your days. <laughs> but anyhow. So we move from, oh, actually, there was one important thing. And there was more things that Toga said, but I wasn't able to capture them all. But Toga says stories always end with the prince and princess together. And I think jury calls him on this a little bit, if I'm not mistaken. So in this next section, we're going to be discussing the concept of corrective rape. And as it applies to uh, queer women, if this isn't something that you want to listen to, just go ahead and skip ahead a couple minutes and we'll be back to the other discussions. Yeah. Cause like he claims that he has rescued the princess Mm-hmm. which on the one level could mean Anthe. But in this case, I think that Toga is actually talking about Utena. Oh, for sure. Saying, yeah. Like he has rescued the princess, which in his mind means rescued her from this masculine delusion of her gender presentation at that moment. Yep. I was just like, about to say the same thing. He has dug the princess out of Utena's identity and brought it to the foreground again. Well, he's like, there is a girl deep inside and I will drag her out once again. Exactly. It's got, it's got like. It's a forceful okay, so, quality to it is the thing. Yes. And there is a history of this with, um, with queer women, mm -hmm. the concept of corrective rape. Mm. which is the, the idea that like all you need to be straight is the right penis. Oh, right. Yeah. You know, or like if you, or if you do like physically rape a lesbian woman, she will turn straight. Like that is not an uncommon concept, both historically and globally. And while this is not that, this does share a philosophy with it. Yeah. This comes from the same core belief 
that there's a proper way for women to be. And if it takes force to make that happen, then the use of force is justified in making that happen. Yeah, that's and Toga the thing. is completely proud of his so-called achievement here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, this is absolutely a forceful, quote unquote, corrective action to make Utena adhere to a gender standard. That's it. So we do move on from the student council and we go into Wakaba trying to A, get to the core of what's going on with Utena, but also B, shake her out of it. And she's trying her damnedest. Yeah. She even says, like, see, something is wrong with you. Like, she knows that Utena is not acting right. No. And she says, just ignoring me isn't normal and isn't like you. And you're making me mad. (laughs) (laughs) And so who decides to show his face but Toga? Of course. And he he can't stay away. (laughs) Yeah. He needs to see his victory in person. Mm-hmm. And so he he shows up and his opening line here is that like he'd heard the rumors, but it's still a shock to see it. Having now seen Utana in a girl's uniform properly. And he takes this moment to go in for the kill and ask her out on a date. Did he? And- How did I miss this? No, he says, uh, would you like to eat out this Sunday? Oh, sh- okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he says, would you like to eat out this Sunday? Without the bride, of course. And he says this right in Anthe's face, which is, again, driving home the point that she is merely a means to an end. The actual person he is after is Utena. Oh, yeah, he doesn't give a shit. And so, like... He he starts putting the moves on her physically, like he crowds into her space. He takes her hand. And this is fucking Wakaba's shit up. Like she knows that if Utena was in her right mind, she would be slapping Toga silly. Yeah, she'd be like, don't touch me, get off me, blah, blah, blah. Like she wouldn't even let him get that far. The hand on the shoulder would have been knocked off immediately. Right. Like, we wouldn't have even seen the hand on the shoulder. We'd have heard the slap and then cut to a shot of her having knocked his hand away. (laughs) Exactly. Like, that's how out of the norm that this moment is. Yeah. And here's the thing, though, is Utena doesn't react to any of it. And he gets so close. He looks like he's going to, like, try to kiss her. And she's just still not reacting. The only thing. Who does that remind you of? It reminds me, it was, oh my God, it was exactly an imitation of how Anthe is. Right. And But the only thing that she reacts to is Anthe. That's it. She has a subtle reaction or she, like her eyes widen or something when she sees Anthe and then that's it. She doesn't react to anybody else. Not Toga, not Wakaba. That's it. Yeah. And so in like a reverse way, we're getting a view into Anthe, right? Like- now we're seeing another character behave like Anthe and what it took to get Utena into that state of mind. Yeah. 
So and that, to get Anthe kind of out of it, to be honest. Well, that is what brings up the question of what happened to Anthe to get her into this state of mind. God, I don't even want to think about that. It's got to be something real fucking bad. It's got to yeah. be like some <laughs> real bad trauma. It's got, I mean, I know it's coming. It's going to be some real bad trauma. I mean, you're not wrong. I, I'm not going to specify yet, but you're not wrong. <laughs> yeah. I know whatever episode that's going to be, I know it's going to be rough to watch. But there will be plenty we'll of forewarning. <laughs> oh, for sure. I know. But yeah, you're right. Wakaba is like losing her shit at Toga touching Utena and Utena not having a single reaction. She's like, if you don't like it, tell him, tell him. She's doing nothing. Which is the same thing that Utena used to say to Anthe. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, if you're not cool with this, say something. Yeah. And also, I do want to take this moment to point out, like, and this listener, this is going to be some talks of uh, or mentions of abuse and reactions to abuse um, and domestic violence and domestic violence survivors. When women in particular are exposed to abuse, when they are abused and when they do undergo domestic violence in their relationships, and they are survivors and people get this um, mindset of that could never happen to me. How could that, how could so-and-so let that happen? This is how easy it is for things like that to happen. Like to me, this episode and Utena's reaction is like, this is how close any of us are at any given moment, no matter how centered, grounded, et cetera, you feel at any moment you can be manipulated into this <laughs> into an abusive situation yeah and, like, and this didn't happen with just her losing the duel Toga no. has been planting the seeds of this for the entire series so far and it that's how slow, this shit works it is insidious exactly that's how this shit works is that it starts small and then it just grows and grows and grows and grows. And you, as the participant in it, or the victim, rather, in it, don't see the progression. Because it's so subtle most of the time. So that's why this episode in particular, this portrayal of Utena is so important. Because it is a reminder that, like, this happens to anyone. Does not matter what background you had, what perspective you have on life. It can happen to the strongest of us. It just happens, unfortunately. Because of abusers and horrible people like Toga, emotional manipulators, etc. And then there's this moment where Wakaba douses Anthe. She sure does. And <laughs> and, 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 blames, and blames Anthe for what's going on with Utena. Because like she yes. can't figure out what went wrong or where 
everything went wrong. She doesn't correctly identify Toga as being the cause of all of this. She just knows like the proximal cause, which is some dispute with Anthe. And like, it's a very loving reaction. You know, she thinks she's defending her friend here, but she gets it wrong. And Utena slaps her for it. And Wakaba slaps her right back. <laughs> yeah, that was so good. She's grinning too. I love it. Yeah. And like she's she's smiling about it because she says, see, you can still react to things. She finally mm-hmm. got a rise out of Utena. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the mistake is honest at first of splashing the water she was aiming for toga toga of course being a manipulative bastard that he is stepped out of the way and the water gets on anthe which again this is what he wanted this Did whole I time miss that? Did, was it, yeah was she aiming for toga yes and he saw it and moved out of the way in time for it to just go completely on anthe who was right behind him oh man that is ice cold Yep. Still, she does end up blaming Anthe for it once she starts yes. talking. Yeah. Yeah. But I have a feeling, I mean, first of all, that was planted by him. He did that on purpose. And he wants Anthe to be blamed because he never wants to take any kind of responsibility for anything like that ever. But uh, I have a feeling that this kind of thing has happened to Anthe a lot in her lifetime. And she's not very old. You know, she's in high school still, but I just get the feeling that she's had to be the scapegoat a lot in her life. And that's what's helped form this veneer, if you will, of this hollow smile. And, you know, it's not just Toga. It it genuinely feels like a longstanding thing that she's used to. Because she gets the water splashed on her and she's really unfazed. I don't think even her facial expression changes. Yeah. So we move to a scene of just Wakaba and Utena. And Utena, like, she demands it, but like in this almost begging tone of stop criticizing me. You don't understand. Mm -hmm. And Wakaba says she does understand. She doesn't. But yeah. Yeah. Also, Utena did a really romantic thing and gave Anthe her handkerchief. Oh, yes. That's an old school romance move. <laughs> a monogrammed one, too. Ex- which is what makes it old school romance. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a rather early break in the episode. We're only actually about like 10 minutes into this episode so far. Uh, But we come back to the student council meeting or the student council meeting room and we hear Toga talking and Anthea is there again. It's just the two of them. You might make the mistake of thinking that Toga is talking to Anthea. He is talking on a cell phone, making her stand there and listen to his conversation as if she is not there. She is a potted plant at this moment. Yeah, she's a prop. 100%. And it's just gossip. Like, whatever he's talking about on the phone, it's just gossip. And 
I have my guesses on who he's talking to, but I want to hear yours. Well, at first I thought it was the end of the world, but then I was like, no, he's being kind of flirty. I don't know. It seems kind of weird. I think um, it's whoever that long black haired person was that he was making out with later in the episode. Um, But I'm not entirely sure. But yeah. Anthe is entirely a prop to him in in this moment and ever, all the time. Yeah, uh, and yeah, doesn't care. He's he's making her watch as he flirts with other girls. Yeah, which is just the most demeaning thing, right? Like they're supposedly engaged. Yeah, um, which you know, take engagement here with a grain of salt, but at the same time, like. Think about that literally. Like, think about if you were engaged to somebody and the relationship was so abusive and manipulative that they were just cheating on you literally in front of you. Yeah. And you were powerless to say anything about it. Does happen all the time. Still. Uh, But yeah, it's wild. But of course he feels that way because he's an entitled rich kid who's probably never had a single person say no to him ever. Utena is probably the first. Yeah. And he tells her to wait for him. And so he leaves. And and Anthe sits down and fantasizes about Utena sitting across from her. Yeah. Fantasizes slash remembers. It's um it's like a fantasy memory type yeah. scenario. And like remembering so she- her smile but wanting her to be there. Yeah, so she pulls out the handkerchief and and looks at the handkerchief. Mm-hmm. And again, like, this is some breakup stuff here, right? This is yeah. some missing your ex stuff. Mm-hmm. Also, I totally thought the show was going to do a, like, fast forward through time, like, have her silhouette sitting on the balcony there for, like, hours, and it just, like, fades into nighttime. I, I 100% thought. I was like, he's going to make her sit there until he's going to forget about her. He's going to make her sit there all night. I mean, we don't ever get a resolution to that. <laughs> so it's entirely possible that that's what happened. At least I don't think we get a resolution from it. No, because we cut to Utena and Wakaba from here. Yeah. So Utena starts to apologize. And I love Wakaba for this. She says, no. This is not something you can fix by apologizing. Whatever happened, you have to figure it out and get back to normal. Um, And she breaks down. She admits, like, I don't understand what's going on with you. Which is one of those, like, crucial moments of actual empathy when like you think you know someone you think you understand them so well that you don't have to ask what's going on but like having this vulnerable moment of admitting like i don't understand what happened to you that made you start acting this way and like that gives utena the space that she needs to talk about it a little bit mhm Like, obviously, we've seen it happen, so the show doesn't dwell on Utena rehashing it in front of us, but, like, it opens that door to them, like, to to Wakaba 
showing friendship to her best friend. Like she's performing friendship at this point, as opposed to the like the chivalrous defensiveness that she's been showing, which mirrors the way that Utena acts toward Anthe on some level. But yeah. in this case, like letting her guard down and admitting, like, I don't get it. Help me understand what's going on with you. Yeah. Is the moment where like the real empathy starts to happen. Yeah. And she's like, not being normal is normal for you. So you being normal is weird. <laughs> what's <laughs> what's wrong? <laughs> and she says, whatever you lost, you have to take it back. And the words take it back are repeated like three times here. And each time we get a flash of a scene of Utena seeing like Toga and Anthe and all of it. Mm-hmm. Like normal for you is being cool, <laughs> which is a lot of pressure to put on somebody. Not going to lie. like, <laughs> <laughs> But also uh, saying like, this uniform isn't you. This isn't right. Um, and this is kind of what finally breaks through for, for Utena. And she stands up. She picks herself up. And for the first time in this show, we get an actual apology for a slap. Yeah, we She's like, do. That must have that hurt when I hit you. Yeah, and doesn't say... Well, it's not translated as I'm sorry. It's translated as forgive me. Right. So genuinely asking for forgiveness. And Utena kisses Wakaba's forehead and says, I'm going to take back who I was. Mm-hmm. And goes straight to that birdcage. Where Toga is in there flirting with slash making out with a girl with black hair. Mm-hmm. We never see her face, so we don't know if it's um I think I think the black haired one is Yuko. Um but I don't think it's any of like Nanami's three in any case. Um it's just an yeah. anonymous girl who Toga is making out with. Yeah. Right in front of Anthe, who is watering the flowers. Like Anthe's busy working while Toga is working it. Yep. No shame. And Utena just charges in and he's like, oh, are you here to take me up on my date offer? And she's like, yeah, I'm going to take you up on, I'm going to take you up on something. I'm going to take you up to a duel right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> and he's like genuinely shocked that she stood up to him. Yeah. And yeah. like she is. She is still well within her rights as a duelist to challenge him. It is noteworthy that like in that scene earlier where he was touching her hand, he was touching it with his hand that had his ring and it was her hand that had her ring. So we were seeing the two of them with their rings on and the show always like hints at this being an engagement ring and whatnot. And certainly that's where Toga wishes this would go. Mm -hmm. However, what the actual symbol of the ring is, is a sign of a duelist. Yeah. This whole, the scene of 
Utena challenging Toga. Everybody, <laughs> I just picture everybody watching this episode just going, good for you! <laughs> <laughs> So from here, we move into uh, my tinfoil hat celebration. Uh, with the shadow girls. With the shadow girls portion of the episode. And so before you go get to the, the tinfoil hat, what sure. actually happens in the scene? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, they're talking about like fall in love, normal, get married, normal, have kids, blah, blah, blah. Like get a house, have kids. And they put normal after it all the time. And then yeah, the have end, a like, normal life. Yeah. At the end, they're like, oh, normal has nothing to do with us. We're tired of that. And then just load up their <laughs> their luggage, get into a spaceship that comes down. And then the next scene is just the little spaceship flying away from Otori Academy. Brilliant. Beautiful. Chef's Did kiss. You- so good. <laughs> so one thing that I want to point out about the animation here, the UFO that they get into, like the flying saucer they get into, the dome on it is the dome atop the tower at Otori Academy. You're right. Wait, the the student council one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. Incredible. There was a spaceship under our noses this whole time, but of course it was because there was an elevator. So tinfoil hat, put it on. What do we got? Oh, it's just a celebration. It's a, it's a tinfoil hat and there's a party hat on top of that. Like it's just a celebration. <laughs> tinfoil party hat i love it (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's a tinfoil party hat because my tinfoil hat theory paid off it was aliens the whole time (laughs) (laughs) oh i mean that's it the the name of their song is the inhabitants of planet kashira (laughs) yes which you only revealed to me i think last Last episode. episode yeah Yes, uh, which I was like, oh, but this is like the confirmation, like in canon <laughs> confirmation right here, right in front of my eyeballs that, yes, they are, in fact, aliens. Aliens canonically exist and attend this school. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm so happy. <laughs> aliens, aliens. That's the, that's the title of this episode. <laughs> See, I think it's tinfoil party hat. Oh, oh, oh. either one. <laughs> <laughs> so we cut to the scene of Utena charging up to the dueling arena. Uh, she is paused by Jury, who hands her a sword in full like Legend of Zelda. It's dangerous to go alone. Take this. <laughs> yes. So good. And also, I can't believe she helped her. Incredible. I can. Like, it's one of those things that, like, sometimes you will see with women where they will tear each other down in the name of, like, elevating themselves in terms of patriarchy. Like, Mm -hmm. it's the the patriarchal bargain of putting other women down so that you can get just a shred more power. Mm -hmm. But then there are those people and those moments where they see some bullshit go down and you may not like each other, but you know that you have common cause enough to say, you know what? That was some bullshit. 
and I'm going to stand with you in fighting against it. You know what? Fuck that guy. Here's a sword. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Hashtag dump him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hashtag rip his ass a new one. <laughs> and so, like, if, you, if you're looking for feminist moments in this show, this is absolutely one of them. Like, a guy has manipulated his way into badly hurting somebody. And the women around that, that woman rally to her cause and say, no, here you go. Do what you need to do. Fuck him up. Yeah, don't think we didn't see your absence here, Mickey. I'll remember <laughs> that shit like a Telltale Games game. <laughs> and Anami, honestly. But Yeah, yeah, true. But like, this is one of those moments where uh, we have to recognize that even if these two don't like each other, even if they are rivals, Jury provides actual material help to Utena. She gives her a physical object that she needs to do anything about this challenge. Yeah, because where was Utena going to get a sword? Was yeah. she going to go down to the mall and get one from, like, the one mall store that has a sword in the 90s? Like, <laughs> Look, if anyone here is rocking mall ninja shit, it's going to be Sionji. True. But where, I mean, you're not going to get help from him. Where's yeah. his ass, you know? <laughs> but yeah. So, again, like, I, I really want to drive this point home. It is actual material help. Mm -hmm. All of the, like, insults and ploys and comments aside... Like, Jury didn't petition the school. She didn't write to the end of the world complaining about it. She said, here's a sword. What you need in this moment is a sword. I have a sword. Take the sword. Fuck him up. Yeah. She said you'll need it to properly set the last scene. Yeah. Which, like, can you get any more, like, archetypal uh, helper than that? Love it so much. Like hero heroine's journey, yeah, archetypes like, right there. This isn't this isn't virtue signaling. This isn't like putting it on her Twitter, complaining <laughs> like complaining about how awful Toga is. She actually does something to help the person in need, and yeah. for that we will forever stand. This legend, praise jury. <laughs> Also, this is where the incredible jazz music, I call it jazz, I don't have a better word for it, but the incredible music kicks in that we're hearing for the first time that you heard at the very beginning of this episode, my yeah. own rendition of it. <laughs> so very good. So I looked this Such one a good up. Moment. I, I was not able to find this exact track. Um, I'm guessing it's buried in one of like the follow-up uh, soundtracks. Mm -hmm. like This is a different version this is a jazzy version of one of the, the stock songs that they play in the show. Um, and it actually plays in place of Zetaume Mokushiroku. Mm -hmm. It plays in place of Absolute Destiny Apocalypse as she's climbing the stairs and like entering the arena and all of that. We skip right to the fight with this one. It is all business. Yeah. The stairs scene is different. You're right. We just we get a little glimpse of it, but yeah, goes right to the duel setup. And so in the setup for this duel, 
one thing that I noticed, and I, I don't think I noticed this on previous watches, but I definitely picked up on it this time. Uchina's rose color is pink during this duel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ordinarily, she's wearing the white rose of the prince. Mm -hmm. But this time it's for herself. Exactly. This is some Scott Pilgrim power of self-respect moment. Yeah. <laughs> and she even is like, I'm here to take something. I'm here to take back something important to me. Yeah. Because, and she'll even say it later in the duel itself, that she's not fighting for Anthe this time. Yeah. She is fighting for herself to mm -hmm. take back what's hers. And in this case, she is not talking about the Rose Bride. She is talking about her identity. And again, like I joked about it, but her self-respect. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. And Toga acknowledges it too. He's like, you want to take back yourself, but I don't feel like losing to you, which douchebag. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's such a horrible thing to say. <laughs> And so Toga has a climax episode surprise for us. Um, mm -hmm. At least at the end of the first plot arc, this is the climax. Uh, he says, you know, you've been fighting this whole time with this sword and you didn't even know that it had a secret power. <laughs> um, and he commands Anthe to abandon her body and protect the sword as the Rose Bride. And so she bends down, she kisses the sword. Um, it has like all of the blocking of kissing someone's feet, right? Like she is completely yeah. knelt down at his feet and she kisses it and the, it starts glowing red, which to further our Zelda joke from earlier means he's at full health now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And again, to further this, the Zelda joke, he swipes with it and it blows up stones far away from him. Yeah. Now, here's my thing. How does he even know how to do that? Like, why? If he knows this extent of the sword, why did Sionji even have Anthe and the sword as the Rose Bride to begin with. Why wasn't it just with Toga this whole time? Like, if you're this capable with it, how did you ever lose? It feels like he cheated somehow to get, it's like, it feels to further the video game analogy. It feels <laughs> like he got the cheat code somehow. Well, we know I'm like, that there's he has no the way you knew this. the end of the world. Exactly. That's why I'm like, there's no way you knew this by yourself. You cheated. You got the help of the end of the world. So during this entire duel, we have a really unique thing here where the duel actually starts silent. And Anthe is giving her inner monologue as she watches the duel. We don't actually see a whole lot of the duel itself. A lot of this no. one is played on Anthe's face. Mm -hmm. as she is reflecting upon her own thoughts. Um, I wrote some of them down. She says, of Utena, she says, I pity her. Um, yeah. I wonder if this will end quickly, because she knows that Toga is so much better. And Yeah, she outright says she can't defeat him. Yeah. Um, 
She says, don't you think this is strange? She could die. Why? What is she fighting for? Why is she fighting on? And the music for the duel, the, the duel song itself is uh, the, the song, No One Has Anything to Tell. And it's a, a kind of a nihilistic song about, um, like, a, from the lyrics, it's a, a nihilistic song that also brings in a lot of that theater imagery that has also been there in several of these songs so far. Um, and the song actually starts the moment Toga cuts her sword in half. Mm-hmm. All the fighting that had happened up until that point was silent aside from the inner monologue of Anthe. We finally get the, the proper duel song starting when he cuts her sword apart. And he then proceeds to like, he openly shows his disdainful misogyny by spending the rest of the duel cutting up Utena's clothes rather than cutting off her rose. Yeah, I mean, come on, man. I was like, oh my God, now he's tearing her clothes off. And so when like, she stands up to him and says, get? like, this isn't about her, this is about me, he just replies, pathetic. Because he can't conceive of a woman who knows what she wants better than he thinks he knows for her. Because, like, he thinks that... Yeah. That's like, exactly in his mind, it. she could be a great princess, but she will only ever be a lackluster imitation of a prince. Because to him, the gender roles here are so abundantly clear that all she could ever be is a pretender. Yeah. To Utena's credit, by the way, in this fight, she is really holding her own. Even after the sword breaks, she's still like dodging yeah. and defending herself with like the tiny little bit of the sword that's left and the hilt. Like a champ. <laughs> and so we cut back to some more of Anthe's inner monologue where she says that she's seen this before, which we have seen it too. All the way back in the first episode where Utena was fighting with the, the Boken that had been cut in half, the Kendo sword. Uh, here is Utena mm -hmm. once again fighting on with a broken sword. And yeah, she says... It's like what happened that time. And we get a flash of the prince. And mm -hmm. I personally feel like this is doing some double duty. I feel the same way. Uh, I want to hear what you think first. Well, because, yeah, it's the parallel to the first fight, but that wouldn't make Anthe cry. Anthe sheds a tear over this and like it's like shock hits her and then emotion uh sadness and something else um and she cries and even the song in the background says something about memory so i'm like i don't think this is just the first fight that utena yeah, had darkness called memory thank you yeah it wouldn't elicit this kind of a response it's that's not appropriate so what do you think she's remembering 
something to do with the prince. If it showed, if he showed himself to her like that in that moment, it's something to do with him. Well, I will say, like, it could be referring to that first duel with Sionji where her nobility shines forth and the prince arrives to protect her while she's fighting with a broken sword. Mm -hmm. Like, it can just be that. I want to hear what your deeper layer thought on this is, though. Well, that's what I mean. I'm referring to there has to have been another time where or like a first time, quote unquote, where that this happened for her, for her to be like, it happened that one time. It's a call back to me of a deeper memory of like a first time that this happened for her, that like a prince swooped in and saved her. Okay. That was, that left that powerful of an imprint on her to make her cry. And so now you're saying that like, she sees Utana as doing princeliness. (laughs) Yeah. The same way that that past prince did. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, she is upset here. It it doesn't really seem like a overjoyed type of crying. It's upset. So there is another mm-hmm. layer to that that I'm not quite sure what it is. Yeah, I mean, I I think it it could be all of those things, right? Where uh we have the fight with Sionji. Uh what you're saying is like some past fight years and years ago before uh like this group of duelists or like only like some of this group of duelists before Utana at least um something that involved the prince himself um and then also you know just the whatever whatever trauma had put her in the state of being the rose bride with the unblinking stare you know mm-hmm. this brings up a good point of how long has Anthe been the Rose Bride. Was this shit happening to her when she was a child? Like, how long has she worn this mantle? Because when you first come into the show, it's just, oh, it's a high school. Oh, it's high school stuff, blah, blah, blah. But this, to me, brings into question, how long really has this been going on for Anthe? For her to have this much of a thousand-yard stare in her own way, you know, it's that mask of, um, mm-hmm. you know, careful politeness. But how long has this been going on for her? And here's another tinfoil hat theory, which goes back to a previous one of Anthe being a ghost. How long has she been trapped in time with this? <laughs> Seriously, like. <laughs> I love this Anthe's a ghost theory. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's. <laughs> It's Anthe's a ghost or she's a person who's been trapped in this role for a very long time. You know, whether or not that's like a regular human lifespan or if she is truly trapped in time in this moment in time and can't escape. It would make sense. It would explain the, you know, I always point back to the crushed, uh, dilapidated um, dorm room that Utena took on. And the magical quality of it suddenly reappearing as normal. Um, if she's trapped in time, that's if that's what the room would actually look like, as opposed to this like paused moment and pinned in time. We'll see. 
Turns out everybody's actually dead, <laughs> including <laughs> including Utena. Like this is hell. Everyone's dead. <laughs> oh, it's a hundred percent hell for some people in the school. Um, no, but I, as as opposed to like everybody's dead, it, it's more like a like a glass bowl. Like everybody is trapped in the glass. Um, greenhouse or that's not the correct word but the place uh the bird cage everybody is really trapped in this bird cage that you know anthe is figuratively trapped in uh that's the tinfoil hat as opposed to everybody's dead it's everybody is trapped in this glass like bubble in time and can't escape and now Utena is okay. potentially trapped too <laughs> Now, like, that is a theory that has, like, some really far-reaching tendrils. I love it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, to wrap up, um, yeah, Utena obviously wins. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. Um, we, we get this moment where, uh, you know, it mirrors that first episode where all we get is, like, the, like, the lens flare of Utena and Toga and they appear in silhouette and then the lens flare takes over and uh, they swipe past each other and he is broken on the ground having lost his rose. Yo, his face is charred. Like he, he is gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we cut we don't even dwell on this moment for that long no we cut to um utana and anthe outside the dorm again and now we're back to anthe referring to her openly as utana sama mm -hmm. and she goes down the whole spiel again of like i'm the rose bride here's my thing and like utana cuts her off and is like never mind all that let's just go home yeah. And and we get this like brilliantly genuine smile from Anthe, like almost relief of in a sense like life going back to normal. Yeah. And this brilliant smile from Utena too first. And that's like a reassuring cue I think for Anthe to relax a little. For sure. Okay, so We've talked about this like in our planning mm -hmm. about next episode being our listener mail episode. Um, so you know that this one's a recap. Mm -hmm. But what I will say is there's going to be some plot stuff woven into the recap. And we got like a little taste of it in the preview. So what do you think is going to happen next episode? Yeah, Anthe is like, well, you've dueled for me seven times and each time was for a different reason. And she goes through them and the last one is for self. I've forgotten all of them. We'll talk about them next time. I just remember the self one for now. But there's an interesting shot at the end of um, an hourglass, an orange, uh, an hourglass with like orange sand. It's a very interesting color scheme. And it's just set against a black background. Um, it's both yeah it's somewhere between like nanami and jury's color yeah 
And it's both beautiful and ornate and also like ominous <laughs> as um, our glasses are meant to be. Um, yeah, it's also got the rose seal on it. Yes. So I don't know if it's like just like countdown until the next arc. If it's like the, I mean, here's the tinfoil hat theory again. Oh, look, it's a passage of time thing. Um, oh boy, wouldn't it be nice if time actually passed and we're not all trapped in this glass bubble? Um, <laughs> man, that would be funny if something came out about that in the recap episode. <laughs> but no, I'm not quite. I'm not quite sure. I think we'll maybe we might learn some more about the prince because we do also get a shot of him. Uh, in like very, it goes by very fast, but we do get a shot of the prince. Um, so I think we we'll learn some more about prince. him. We Go get ahead. a shot of the prince and someone else in silhouette who has the same hair as the prince. Oh, I missed that. Okay, okay, okay. Interesting. So another newcomer comes along, which has to be because we've kicked we've kicked two of the student council members' asses so thoroughly that there's no coming back from that. <laughs> we got to get some new blood in here. <laughs> Otherwise, whose ass are we going to kick? Mickey's? He can't take it. <laughs> He's fragile. Yeah. He's a fragile small boy. Yeah, come on. He can't. Bless him, but he can't. So, as I said, uh, we are doing a listener mail episode for the next one, but because of our recording schedule, anything you write in now will actually come after uh, we record next episode. Uh, like, barring like a natural disaster or something, um, if you write in now, it'll probably be a few episodes into the next plot arc before you hear yours read aloud. Uh but if you would like to reach out to us, we are on Twitter at Zetai Unmei Pod. And you can reach us by email at Absolute Destiny, a podcast at gmail.com. Uh, as of recently, I am also now on the uh, the Empty Movement Discord. So if you want to like reach out immediately to me, you can catch me on the Discord. <laughs> um, I've told Chesney banned from that discord until this is done because <laughs> there are so many spoilers discussed in the discord itself <laughs> yeah but also but we are also don't uh don't let the you know time lapse deter you from writing in because we definitely still want to hear your comments we are also both on uh twitter individually i am at life in neon and i'm at car cutie which i've spelled it numerous times but it's just k-a-r-q uh as in Q-U-E-U-E-T-I-E. And I'm also, we're also both on Twitch under those usernames. Um, I also have an Instagram and a TikTok under those usernames. Again, I am quite the gremlin on TikTok. So go there at your own risk. <laughs> so do you want to like send us off with that, uh, that jazz again? You know, Autumn, <laughs> I would love to. But here's the thing about my brain is that it doesn't retain Scooby Doo Bottom bought up like <laughs> jazz <laughs> scatting for more than an hour. <laughs> so like the the first version will be my best, and then here is what 
Here is um, my brain's best rendition of what that looks like uh, retention-wise an hour and a half later. This isn't the song, but we're having fun. 